you can't be 110% in every single direction. Exactly. Well, somebody can. Somebody yeah. can. Yeah. But you have to have to balance out burnout because then when she, if you start burnout and it becomes work, then it's just a nightmare. To, yeah. to, it's hard to push through anything after that. Some people seem to never burn out. I think you just have to really love some certain things to not burn out. Like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's I, interesting. I don't know, man. I feel like there are some people that they're all like pretty tall. If you ask me, <laughs> you yeah. have to be tall. They're <laughs> tall. They're tall. Part. Like you know the tall guys with the really big heads. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're like they're really into stuff and they wear their their button up shirts like three buttons down is yeah. open and you know <laughs> they're always in the Alps. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Those guys they seem it's to the never air up there. You yeah, to get the better air. You think we need to get up there? Like, I do. I think time? we're just, yeah, we're too low. <laughs> get on each other's shoulders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you got to figure it out, man. Because those guys never burn out, and they always have you know, they're always in hot tubs. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I want to be one of those guys. <laughs> Are you going to shave your chest? Uh, I. It seems like a prerequisite. Those guys never have chest hair or stubble. Mm-hmm. They're bald. Like. Yeah, it's shiny. Yes. It's like yeah. shellacked. I know. Shellacked that might be cleavage. the first step. Maybe that is that literally is the first step. You right? do that, yeah. and all of a sudden you grow two inches. Yeah, who knows? And then you're in the Alps. <laughs> is that yeah, hot tub. <laughs> I'm very. I'm. I have a very. Uh, I'm, I'm partial to my chest. Hair. I know. That's why I asked you. Yeah, it's, I think I, it's the, you oh, have to be willing to go there, Sydney. You're not gonna get there without shaving it. Dude, I don't. I don't think I'm sentimental about anything in the world, mm-hmm. but my chest hair. You know what's funny? I feel like I knew that without ever hearing you say that. Like it was something about like how like it, like I don't know what's about your character, but like I kind of I intrinsically knew that there's something about the chest hair. Do you have chest hair? Yeah. Are you partial to it? Not at all. Not even a little bit. Now I, I like a little bit, but I, I it's just like keep it neat and trim. But other than that, it's more of a nuisance I have to keep up with. You prim? You prim your you you do stuff to your chest hair? Oh yeah. Ah, it's wild. <laughs> it's just it's just more just like, you know, tr- trim the hedges. Just get everything this back to a little status quo. You give it a fade? You yeah, fade your- yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got to fade it from the pits. That's wild. Yeah, so are you, are you, because uh, I'm, I right in the center, I'm, I'm I'm thick. Yes. And then it's, you know. Pretty much the same. as it goes out. Yeah. But it's, uh, and I don't have, ch- I don't have too much hair on my stomach. I have no hair on my back. I, I'm, I'm just a chest hair guy. Mine's like, it's definitely chest heavy, center focused, and then straight down. Okay. So it's like a crate, and I have nothing like on like my, my uh, obliques or anything like that. Yeah, I guess and that's where I'm bald. Yeah, yeah, bald there, and then like, I, as I've gotten older, I've started to like get a little middle back patch, like right between the shoulder blades. It's, it's like it's growing in as I've gotten older, but it's, I don't have, I wouldn't say, I definitely don't have a hairy back, but yeah. I do have a hairy, like a little patch. <laughs> Yeah, my back looks waxed. That's <laughs> so funny. It's wild, but my ass is very hairy. <laughs> I have a hairy butt. Yeah, but, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so, uh, Steve, do you meditate at all? Uh, I do. Oh, I yeah? try to. Okay, because we've been starting the podcast off with a little meditation, and it's just like a, a couple breath meditation. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of meditating uh, do you do? Um, I, I bounce. So I, I do traditional meditation sometimes, and then I also try to do visualization meditation. So the visualization I try to do more because I feel like it's more applicable to my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the mindful meditation is more good for the soul. So like I, I kind of balance between the two. I typically do more visual, um, but yeah. Is it daily? I, I mean, it, it, to me, it's like stretching where I don't do it every day. I know I should. 
Okay. And I really try to. It's just like I wake up in the morning, the priority, get in the cold shower, get to the gym. By the time I get back, rush in the car. So like my mornings are very rushed, and that's when I traditionally like to do it. Yeah. Um, and it's just something that I then get lazy on. So it's something I'm trying to work on to get better with for sure. Yeah, it almost makes me laugh how much time I spend thinking about how I should have meditated. Right? <laughs> yeah, because you really only need five minutes. Yeah. And you it's, yeah. it it's almost a meditation in of itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I should have meditated. Oh, I should have meditated. <laughs> That's my mantra. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so we're going to do a quick meditation. Andrew, sure. you want to explain this? All right, we're going to do a box meditation. So mm-hmm. we're just going to breathe in slowly for four seconds and then hold it and then breathe out slowly for four seconds and hold it. Mm-hmm. And we'll breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. Thank Got you. It. Yeah. You're That's, for, I don't know if you that's like for those it. of you uh, at home yeah. that are meditating along with us. Now you know that it goes in the nose and out the mouth. We, we I go. always forget to say that. Yes. Yeah. So let's get it. All yeah. right. So breathe in. Two, three, four. Hold. Breathe out. Hold. Breathe in. Hold, breathe out, hold, and we're good. Yeah, it felt good. Mm-hmm. It is incredible how good meditating feels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just breathing. You're like, we breathe all the time, but like, yeah. when you breathe for real, like, oh, that's nice. Well, it's like, how much do you think about the breathing? Yeah. Yeah, I almost wish that we could get these birds mic'd up for that meditation. That went perfect. <laughs> that <meditation>. was. Yes. <laughs> that was beautiful chirping. That was the perfect chirping. Now we're ready to start this podcast. Absolutely. Yes. Welcome back. We did it again, the Chakra Poppers. We are back. Back in action. Here we are. <laughs> they just can't make us stop doing it. No. We are <laughs> they keep showing up. They keep showing up. That's, that's, that's I think, 100% of it for us. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. So I'm sitting here. Uh, I'm Sydney. I'm with my co-host, the world champion, Ansley. Hello. And today our guest is none other than Steve Rossioli. Yes. What is up? Did I say that right? It was Rossioli. It's Rossioli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't okay. gonna correct you. <laughs> yeah, man. I think uh, I, in my mind when I said Rossioli, I was like, that sounds too formal. <laughs> Got to go back on the Italian, the Rossioli. Yeah, Rossioli. Yeah, <laughs> that is what we're doing. You have to use the fingers yeah. too. Yeah, I should, and I and I try to I try to play down the hand movement on saying the name. It's because you don't have a mustache anymore. You can't say it. Like if you had your that's mustache. messing me up. True. Yeah, that was probably one of my more Italian features. Yes. Damn. Yeah. I, yeah. I had to. I got rid of the. I didn't get rid of it. I was. I kept messing it up. Yeah. And I was at the. <laughs> it point, got really tiny. Isn't yeah. that the worst? You got a Hitler stash. I was gonna say, like, no. <laughs> and I couldn't. I could not have a Hitler stash during Black History Month. <laughs> or even like an asymmetric Hitlerish yes. mustache. It yes. Wasn't the time of year Understood. to have that type of mustache. So. I'm I'm bald for a little while until I figure I I want to start doing a straight razor to I, get the tops yeah to edge it out because, yeah uh, I tried I had this like desire to learn how to straight razor myself so I ordered yeah. all the stuff and of course I'm like oh I'm gonna do the easy part first right underneath my nose it was like cut 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 I'm like I'm never touching this again <laughs> go to my barber I'm like yeah I tried to do this he's like what are you doing that's like the, literally the hardest place to try to straight razor my that goes yeah figures so and that's the only place I'm gonna use it <laughs> yeah Ooh. maybe I might use it on my chest as well yeah <laughs> I, I might sharpen it on my chest yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so Steve, you you know what we do on this podcast, Absolutely. right? Yep. And for those of you who are coming to us for the first time, the basic premise of this podcast is to prove that anybody 
can reach enlightenment or a higher consciousness. Depend, it, no matter what your sense of humor is, we can get you there. You don't have to be a robe-wearing, soft-talking dork. But you could be. You could, you could also you be too. that, but you're probably a lot closer than we are yeah. now. Yeah, right. You know, enjoy your, enjoy your sandals. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm laced. I'm laced tight yes, right yes. now. You can be laced very tight and in still reach mode. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm always in sport mode, man. So everybody gets the same questions, and uh, those questions are going to be associated with popping open your chakras from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, we want to start off with a little icebreaker question. Sure. Ace, take it away. All right. So, Steve, what situation or event did you learn the most information from? I am going to say I'm currently in it, I guess, which would be my business. Um, that has I, So I started my business while I was in college. I've never had a traditional job. And uh, not having any professional experience going into that was more – I learned more in that process than anything else in my entire life. And I still learn. And I think it's been really good to kind of show how much you can grow while you feel like you're not. And that has kind of set the tone for me moving forward in terms of learning and, and being okay with not knowing and experiencing new things and always feeling like you're an amateur or feeling like there's a lot more to learn. What was like the biggest, like looking back on it, you were like, oh, we were idiots. Like, was is there something that stands out? Yeah, I mean, if you want to go a technical level, it was thinking that we could do it with no money. Like, it, like that's the hardest thing in business is if you don't have any money to start with, you're just always behind the eight ball. It doesn't mean it can't yeah. be done, but it makes everything so much more difficult. Um, other than that, I would say, ironically, like thinking moving was an industry that we could really like change and make innovative. Um, you know, it's kind of <laughs> like taking this from there and putting it there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to do it differently. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people got like to go from point A to point B. We're going to go A, B, C, D, back to B. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, what were your initial innovations that you wanted to bring to the moving industry? Well, we really thought in general, just coming from being employees, that the owner had a lot of influence in terms of how everything was going to be and that if we could be better owners in terms of being more friendly with the guys and be more involved and be more caring, that they would just perform better because they showed how much where we showed how much we cared. Uh, which isn't necessarily the case. They're all jerks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're turds sometimes. Well, well not sometimes. I work I worked at a moving company before. I would say 99% of the staff was on probation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess the in maybe 85% of them were in some sort of uh, like ridiculous child support battle. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> That's so funny you say that because I had never gotten I never thought in my life I'd get so many letters from CPS or, or, or all that stuff just like hey, this person knows money this person knows that like yeah. wow that guy has six kids and he's 26 <laughs> years old like <laughs> and he hasn't mentioned a single kid not even one <laughs> that's uh that that would be a lot of the times you would find out that a person had a kid on the day that the letter came to the job and he had to get spoken to and then now he's all pissed off yes like what are you so upset about man fucking child support you got kids yeah <laughs> it's uh so yeah. i know it was a shock i just found out too <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's uh th- now you said you you never had a traditional job does that mean even going back to high school well no i had part-time jobs just not like a career okay just out of college like correct out of college you yep. never had a traditional job so what kind of jobs did you work in high school and stuff 
So I bounced around a ton. So my first job, I was actually like 12 years old. I was completely illegal. I worked as a dishwasher. Um, from there, I was a lifeguard. I worked construction. I worked in an ice cream shop. Uh, <laughs> Mexican, white, Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just jumping ethnicities. <laughs> I just need to try them all out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, pretty a lot of a lot of like labor type jobs. I would say that was like the primary you know realm that I was in. Okay. And then, so you you get in, you get into uh, the movement. You that's what you are going to do. You're going to move. Mm-hmm. You, you, how many people did you start off your business with? So it was me and I had two business partners. And were you initially, were you actually doing the movement? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So we actually, we started off because we worked for a junk removal company and that's what we wanted to do junk removal, but we didn't have a truck and we're like, all right, well, what can we do? It's like, well, why don't we do moving labor? So that's when moving you started. So it actually started out just moving you, uh, person would rent the truck. We would, uh, follow behind in the car. We'd do all the labor to load up the truck, go to the new place, then got enough money. Then we started to buy a truck, uh, Realized we weren't getting any junk because it wasn't in the name. Moving you and junk you then came about, and then kind of that's when the story goes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now, um, like, do you feel like you're just like every other boss, or do you still feel like you guys could be better? Like, did you go like you know what I mean? Like, did you fall back and you're just like "Ah, it wasn't the boss? Well, he's in a little bit of a niche industry because not every other boss has to hire criminals all the time <laughs> <laughs> no literally and, and but that that's that and to your point about the learning like that was one of the big things is just like there are certain industries that you just you kind of have to take it for what it is like you can't treat a mover like you would someone who's a salaried office job that has goals incentives like they're just trying to get through the day. Like yeah, they don't. Yeah. They don't care about five yeah. years from now. Per I, se. I can't treat my employees like they have goals. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good lesson. So yes, I am a traditional employer now. No. Um, yeah. No. It was. Uh, it was just. It, so to, to answer your question, I we did have to move towards a more traditional boss route. Um, but I think that that's actually it was. What's really important to know, you know, through my experience is that that's actually the right answer. Like mm. being f- too friendly is not the right answer, even if it wasn't in the moving industry. I, I think there definitely needs to be a level of separation that's healthy in a professional organization. Yeah. Yeah, well, especially, and again, I don't want to keep harping on the types of people that work at the, <laughs> yeah. in the moving industry, but the more friendly you are with those types of people, the less work they're going to try to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're you know, come on, man. Rossioli, yeah. <laughs> hey, come on, give me a yeah. break. In. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Yeah. And now we're going to get into popping open these chakras from the Let's bottom up. Ace, take it away. All right, Steve. We are ta- oh, wait, wait. starting in the yeah. I forgot to say disclaimer time. Yeah, yeah. I have to say this. Yes. The root chakra, the first chakra that we pop open, is located in and around the butthole. Are okay. you okay with that? Yes, I consent. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a boss right there. Yeah. <laughs> he just filled out a verbal waiver. He knows how it goes. Yeah. All right. Steve, how did you learn to overcome fear? So I learned how to overcome fear through experiencing it. And that's, you know, whether it be professional, jujitsu, um, other aspects of my life, I think the best way to go about it is to just experience it. I also think that there's two types of fear. I think there's calculated fear or like legitimate fear and there's irrational fear. So, you know, calculated fear is you see a rabid dog and it's looking at you and it looks like it's hungry. Like, of course, you don't go near it. Like, that's that's a calculated fear that you should listen to. But then there's a rational fear, which I think that the majority of 
people have about any aspect of life. Um, and those are the types of fears you need to hit head on. And that's how you can overcome them just kind of through immersion therapy. Mm. I think that's interesting because like when you were saying that um, I was thinking like so the irrational fear if you took your analogy and mm-hmm. like it'd be like oh there's a rabid dog every around every corner yes. right? so like yes. you don't go outside yes. because exactly. that rabid dog is out there somewhere but then like I think the place people get stuck sometimes is that they like like maybe there is a neighborhood where you know they're possibly there's 50% more that the rabid dog lives, you know, like, so do you stay away from that neighborhood to keep yourself safe? Or do you go there because you're like, well, I don't know that it's out there and I can't live in fear, you know, like that. So like, I think sometimes, I don't know, it just makes me wonder, like, so Sydney doesn't want to go to third world countries (laughs) because there is more risks in there. Way more rabid dogs. Straight straight rabid rabid dogs. Yeah. But like then if you like, that's not an irrational fear, Mm -hmm. but it's also limits what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just wonder, like, your point of view on Dude, like, America is the land of opportunity. What are you talking about? <laughs> I am not limited in what I'm doing. I think I'd be way more limited if I was in a third world country. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, yeah. you're never gonna see the blue water, though, Sydney. Like the clear blue water, it's not in America. You got to go to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. No, but uh, but to answer your question, I, I think it really depends on what you want. Like, if it's that important to go to the third world country to see the water. If your lady really wants to go to Jamaica. Then I think that you have to weigh that in. Well, that is actually a superstition that I have. You never take a lady to Jamaica. <laughs> Specifically, Bahamas? Yeah, Did I, I was going to say, just pick a different tropical island. Yeah, yeah you, can't, you can't take your lady to the Bahamas or Jamaica. Because? You, I mean, she doesn't come back? I mean, not with you. <laughs> Although, yeah, brings back a Jamaican. <laughs> yeah, right. that's, uh, yeah, that's not you don't you don't take you don't you know that's like taking sand to the beach. I think right? <laughs> the, you don't take sand to the beach. You don't take your lady to Jamaica. <laughs> Rational, we'll, we'll, Rational I'll fear. Find the right yeah, island. I think, yeah, it is a very calculated. Fear. Yes. We'll figure it out. Wait, what's the island that people store all their money in? Um, the Cayman Islands. Yes, yeah, we can't go there either. We don't have money. <laughs> what are you talking about? We'll go somewhere. We'll find some, we'll find somewhere in America that has blue water. It's probably going to be a lake. Yes. Okay. We'll figure. We'll find a good, clear lake to go to. Okay. And uh, so, Steve, <laughs> with that, can you remember a time in your life when you were the most scared? Um. Honestly, and I. I would say it, it would be more like at an adult level because, of course, when you're a kid, like the, the most scared I ever remember being was I had a period of time probably when I was 10 to 12 years old where if I was not in my parents' house at night, I couldn't sleep and I always thought there was something ready to get me. Like I, for what I would be in a friend, like it didn't matter. I, just, I would wake up in the middle of the night and not go back to sleep with paralyzing fear. Um, but void of that, you know, more in adulthood, I would say – my biggest fear, honestly, was jujitsu tournaments, hmm. oh. and yeah, I and it, it was it's not a fear of like this like being scared to do it. It was the it was true anxiety like that, and I know you guys both get it, but like that that itch in your stomach of like jitters and can I do this and did I make the right decisions? Did I train like like all that like that the fear of not being prepared for that? I think was in my adult life the greatest fear I've ever felt like genuinely. Hmm. Okay, now after doing the tournament how would you calculate would that be a calculated fear or an irrational fear like like before so what was the fear before and then what was the fear after 
I mean, I so that's a, a prime example of irrational fear. Yeah. Because at the end, like every single time you do it, whether you win or lose, if you have a little injury, you you, you weren't really scared of it. It was just it was the the jumping into the water, right? Yeah. That like that's what I was scared of. Is just like the opening of yourself. And, and you know, if you lose, how much you weigh that against? But even when I did lose in tournaments, I would leave. I wouldn't. The fe- there wouldn't be any fear. It was just the fear of exposing yourself in that light. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ansley probably understands it. I'm still undefeated in jujitsu tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it's, I mean, I haven't competed that much. To be perfectly honest with you, full disclosure. Yeah. I haven't competed as much as probably either one of you. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I just happen to be undefeated. Mm-hmm. So I can't relate to that side of the coin. Sorry. <laughs> undefeated Sorry. is undefeated. Undefeated. Yeah, it's undefeated. I have an O in that column. Yeah, that That's is true. That's what it is. That <laughs> is what it is. It's my bad. <laughs> Stop being so good. My bad. Now, if I could get a little taller, get my head a little bigger. <laughs> in a hot tub yeah. in the Alps. Yeah, I, I deserve a hot tub. I'm undefeated. <laughs> so, all right. But I, I bet so the way you... Overcome fear is by just experiencing it. Yeah, and I, and I would say that's generalized to the 99% of fears in life that are irrational. Yeah. And so then what about the calculated fears? Uh, I mean, I think calculated fears typically have a reason behind them and they should be avoided. Like, I, like personally, I am fearful to go into the city nowadays. Now, now that could be partially irrational, but it's mm-hmm. also, you know, I don't care about going to the city. And so I don't really go there too much. Or like I was telling you guys before about the snowboarding, like it's a, it's a calculated fear of me getting hurt snowboarding. Well, because, re, re-hurt. Yeah, fair. Yes. You, you yes, had a yes. pretty traumatic injury snowboarding. Yes. Yeah, I so, did. I mean, because I also have a fear of getting injured snowboarding, but mm-hmm. I've never snowboarded. Sure. So I've never been injured. So mine is kind of an irrational fear. Yeah. Same fear. But completely different side of the, that that fear coin that you established. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. So keep going. Yeah. Uh, well, needless to say, so as you mentioned, I, I did have a pretty traumatic uh, shoulder injury last year, and I went back out this year. And my it was it's interesting though because it wasn't so much of just a fear of falling. It was just like I was noticing all the areas to which it could happen again that were out of my control. And I think that piece of it not being in my control is what made me most fearful because I'm, I'm, I don't, I can't stop it from happening. If some jackass behind me is going too quick, loses control and hits into me and I fall, I'm screwed. And like that was the fearness where it then took from my enjoyment of the actual activity and now I'm to the point now where it's like, do I even really want to do it? And it's like, not really. So it's almost like a cost-benefit analysis. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that injury turned you into one of those old men complaining that people are going too fast. <laughs> Slow down, you young punk. Absolutely. No, literally, yes. Yeah. And it was, it was it, 100%. And I unfortunately get that more now. So I can't be as mad when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> you you get that the world is moving too fast. Yes. <laughs> and everybody needs to just slow down a little bit. And it's these damn kids on the skateboard. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing. Sure. Yes. We'll consider that a chakra pop. Yes. Yeah, you you overcome fear by experiencing it and and avoiding the city at all costs. Yes. <laughs> chakra pop. Yeah. Ace, take it away. All right, we are to the gut, the pelvis chakra. Um, this is a little segment we like to call my bad. So it's opportunity for you to apologize to a person, place, or thing in order to set your karma back to neutral. Hey, what's going on? We just got done doing Steve's Patreon episode, and it was an absolute blast. And I don't know if I told you this yet, but Steve, he isn't a comedian. I know you're having a bunch of fun with him. He's an entrepreneur. 
this guy is a businessman and he took time out of his busy schedule of doing nothing to come <laughs> and do this podcast uh one dollar gives you all of our exclusive content where you can see not only the counter to this podcast you're watching right now, which we call Chakra Poppers After Dark, but we also do some fight commentary and analysis on Ansley's jujitsu matches. I'm, I'm mumbling today. Yes. I, it gets fixed on the Patreon, I promise. And uh, you can also check out Steve's uh, business podcast, which is called Perfect Match Franchises Podcast. Go learn about franchises. Yes. Steve, did you have a good time? I had a fantastic time. This was awesome. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me. Very happy to have you. What did you think? I think that if you come into this and you're very comfortable with yourself, this is easy. There you go. Yep. It was very easy. Very yeah. easy. Yes. And now we're going to get back to this episode and find out who or what Steve has to apologize to. Perfect. And it's funny that uh, we talked about the learning experience first because I wasn't expecting that question and it happened to tie into this one. Um I, when I was going through that management transition, so I had an employee, his name was Hassan, and he was a, a college kid, he was a good guy, and he, I, my first exposure to him was when we had a really good culture. Like, I was way more involved in the business, we weren't that big, and I did have a really good grasp on the culture, people were good, everyone enjoyed their time, he was a part of that. He went back to school, I grew the business, or me and my business partner grew the business to a point to where we realized we couldn't be as friendly because we weren't as involved and we had to become legitimately more managers. And needless to say, there was a lot of bullshit we just really couldn't tolerate. So we started to get much more harsh with how we dealt with things. So needless to say, he comes back a few months later. Things have changed a lot. I'm stressed out of my mind. We just had a, you know, multiple trucks hit bridges. I'm worried about going out of business. I'm dealing with people straight up being insubordinate for the first time in my life, just literally telling me to fuck off. And I was like, whoa, like this is such a culture shock to me that I have to deal with this. Mm -hmm. I had to become a, a worse version of myself to be a good manager. Needless to say, uh, it was just one of those days, I guess he was with the wrong person. They said they weren't going to do a job and I lost it. Mm. I fired both of them. I was hot. And then I remember he had asked to come back in to like kind of have like a exit interview to a degree because um, he didn't really understand it. And again, like we were more friendly than we were boss employee relationship when he was there prior. So yeah. he felt like he deserved that, which I'll give him credit. He probably did. Well, he probably felt that. Oh, well, he'll talk to me. Yeah, yeah. Friendly. The Rossio. Yeah, he was just having a bad day. He was yeah. he was probably giving me the benefit of the doubt. And needless to say, like he came in, and it's one of the few times in my life I ever felt not composed in a conversation, specifically in like a debate. Because I, like, I love the debate. I love, you know, spitting facts. But this was the first time I went pure emotion, and I was just mad. And I didn't want to tell him the truth about how stressed I was or about, you know, how it wasn't necessarily that he did something wrong. It was more just like he did something wrong in, the, in a different system. Mm -hmm. And needless to say, I just did not handle it well. And it, I, it always has left a bad taste in my mouth. And I always look back and go, like, damn, like, I really did not handle that situation well. Even if he deserved to be fired, I did not handle the situation well. Mm. So your apology is to him? Absolutely, yeah. Would you like to <laughs> use his name, apologize, well, do it formally? He, he did use his name. Yeah. But also, I, I want to be very clear about this apology. He deserved to be fired. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm not, there's no debate with that. <laughs> that, is, that is not the that's not the apology at all. No. <laughs> it's like, and it's, he's almost he's almost getting refired in the yes. apology, yeah. <laughs> which is hilarious to yeah. me. But yeah, do do you want to 
uh, make your uh, uh, specific apology? Yeah, Hassan, I really apologize how I handled that situation. And uh, it was definitely not professional, which is one of the things that I try to help hold myself to. So I definitely apologize for that. But so, you're still fired. Yeah. You're still fired. <laughs> Even more fired now. Yes. Were you like when trucks kept hit? You said trucks hit, hit bridges. bridges. Like this just keeps happening and you're like, like the it just is like one of those things. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in the moving industry and well, I'm like. Can I just say this? Trucks don't hit bridges. People hit bridges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, in the moving industry, it's kind of a normal thing. Yeah. Um, you kind of just bake it into the P&L that you just replace a couple roofs each year. But we had no idea of that yeah. when we when we were experiencing it. So it was crazy. Every it was, phone it was call, you were like, what? Another one? Uh, yeah. We, we had two in a week, and it was like two brand new trucks. Uh-huh. It was nuts. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that was a good apology. Yeah. You know, and very well explained. And I think you explained it in a way that established that, again, he was appropriately fired. <laughs> <laughs> it just maybe maybe a little too saucy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, was def- it was definitely saucy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's the chakra pop. Yes. Ace, take it away. All right. We are to the gut chakra. So, Steve, uh, how do you move past disappointment, either in yourself or in loved ones? So... I think disappointment needs to be handled somewhat analytically and thinking, did I do everything that I could have in this situation? Because usually you're either disappointed with yourself or someone else. So in any sense, you can only be in control of what you did to get to that disappointed state. And if you can look back and say, yeah, like I, I'm disappointed in this person because they let me down, but I did everything to put myself in the best light and I, I did everything I could, then the disappointment can be handled well. But if you look back and you say, okay, I'm disappointed in this person and I should have done this and I should have done that, well, then you have to really dig a little bit deeper in a learning aspect and say, what would I have done differently and then what will I do differently in the future to not be disappointed again? I think disappointment is kind of like a checkpoint of like, how'd you do? It's like a little self-evaluation. Yeah. I think like you, like you were saying, I think it's a lot easier to be disappointed in a person than to be disappointed in us. Absolutely. Because when you allow yourself to, uh, and, and then you realize that, oh yeah, I'm dependent on a person for things that I should have never been dependent on that person for in the first place. So yep. I kind of put myself in a position to be disappointed in not just him, but myself as well. Yeah. And, I mean, her, him. Yeah. I don't want to be they. sexist with disappointment. <laughs> Most of my disappointment is in women anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that was pretty thoroughly explained. Do you have any questions with that? No, it was pretty clear cut. Yeah, so we're going to jump to, uh, in this section, I always like to ask this question. So do you have, whether it was some sort of performance art or some sort of sport, in your life, a disappointment that still lingers in your mind to this day? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to go back to the jiu-jitsu aspect. Um, there was one tournament that I did. It was my first blue belt tournament, mm. and I had just... I. Similarly to you, I was undefeated in white belt, so I was feeling really good about myself. Yeah. Um, it was my first blue belt tournament. I was little in over my head with the skill level, and I remember it was like the first match I lost pretty bad, but I was like, whatever, it's the first one. Second one, same thing. I'm like, fuck. Third one, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So I wound up, I, I, I faked an injury, quit the tournament. I was so frustrated and disappointed in myself that I just quit the tournament. I looked back, and it was just stupid. Should not have done that. Wait, was was I coaching you for that? Uh, probably. Remember my buddy Christian? No, you were doing Christian. Remember he came down uh, from New York? Okay, yeah. It was that tournament. 
But I was there. Yeah, you were, I was you were there. You were you were cornering him at the time that you quit. Yeah, because I, I I think I had Tim for the first round, and then like he had to go run, so I was basically uncornered, and then I was just like. Done, done with this tour. <laughs> How many more matches did you have? Uh, I think I had finished Gi. So yeah, yeah, no, no Gi. I remember, yeah. I rem- I rem- I remember yeah. this day. I yeah. do remember yeah. this day. So what, I don't remember the, in- was was it a rib? No, I, I, just, I just said I was hurt. There was no injury. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm hurt. Just, I'm generally hurt. Yes, like, like it was, I should have said bruised ego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I pulled my ego. Yeah, yeah. You, I, don't, I don't need any ice for my confidence. I'm just going to go. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a. That's now. What do you still do you still think about that? Yeah. I mean, not not on a daily basis, but you mm-hmm. know, when I think back to, because I, I always like to be introspective and say like, where are aspects of my life that I was not happy with how I handled something, and how do I not do that again? Mm-hmm. That one was one because I quit. I came. Well, I came in with way too cocky, which is one thing in itself but then quitting was another thing because you can't unquit once you do especially like mentally once you check mm. it, you never get that back so all the other tournaments that I lost in I still was like yeah I left it on the mat and it is what it is but that one I gave I gave it up and that was that that loss hurts way more than actually losing yeah who are you gonna say I was gonna ask because you did compete after that right because mm-hmm. like sometimes with jiu-jitsu like what we were just talking about about like you learn from it and you mm-hmm. you know what should I have done more of going in but sometimes with jiu-jitsu like when you just get your blue belt sometimes you're just outmatched and you've got to go and you've got to lose right like mm-hmm. that's where you are in the cycle of the the system so I was just wondering I was gonna ask how you like process that but I feel like you kind of answered it yeah I mean I think it was more you, you know, it's, you face the disappointment. I look yeah. back. I real I, to your point. I realized I was I, I was a blue belt, but I wasn't a blue belt. You know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah. you have you have the color, you don't have the skill. Um, but needless to say, you analyze. You go back to. I took like a year off of competing. I didn't compete for an entire year, but it was it was calculated in the sense that I knew that I wasn't ready. Or, yeah. or if I wanted to compete, it was more just to see where I was at. But if I wanted to win, if I wanted to really be competitive, I needed to take time off and really develop skills. And the next tournament I went to actually was the one, my last one, that uh, I won golden. So nice, nice. yeah. Redeem I, myself. I, I, I have to say this is going to be on my mind for the rest of the podcast unless I say this. But when you said you you had the like blue belt, but you weren't really a blue belt because you had the color but you didn't have the skill mm-hmm. that kind of reminded me you ever you ever go like you on the basketball court and you see that one athletic black guy and you're like oh I want him yeah. <laughs> and you pick him on your team and he can't even dribble yes. <laughs> it's like uh, Stanley from the office yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's like what, what have I done <laughs> I see this well he has the color but he doesn't yeah. have the skill <laughs> oh man alright so you were I mean I Part, a part of that story I like because you were, you were humbled. You went in there yeah. extra confident mm-hmm. and you were humbled. And, and just to explain for people who aren't that familiar with uh, jiu-jitsu and the belt system, when you go from white belt to blue belt, so when you're competing in a white belt tournament, uh, you're dealing with people who are white belts or either about to be blue belts. So when you are competing in a white belt tournament and Steve was somebody who was about to get his blue belt anyway when you, when you were competing, you were a very talented white belt. And... But when you're competing in blue belt, you're dealing with people who are just blue belts or people who are like a day from being a purple belt. And the gap between blue belt and purple belt is way more significant than the gap between white belt and blue belt. It is astronomically different. Mm -hmm. And so in that tournament, as a cocky blue belt, you were dealing with some people that were, you know, their, their belts were almost purple. 
Yeah. You know? they, they had had their blue belt for longer than I had been doing jujitsu. Yeah. 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 Which makes a huge difference. Yes. Yeah. Ask Steve, he quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they beat him out of it. He made him go home. <laughs> I almost didn't put the blue belt back. I was going to put the white belt back on the next day I went to class. <laughs> you guys lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, we, we will consider that a pelvis chakra popped. Oh, yeah. no, that's the gut chakra popped. Gut chakra. I apologize. Yes, yes. Gut chakra definitely pop. Yeah. Ace, cool. take it away. All right, we're to the heart chakra. So, Steve, what have you learned from grief? I think that grief is absolutely a necessity in life. You know, it's, it's a way for us to deal with hardships and things that we weren't ready to, to have to deal with. Um, and I also think that grief serves a purpose before it becomes a hindrance to your healing. Like, it's the first step of healing. But it doesn't. You, sh- you you have to keep it in its box. Like you have to experience it, let it run its course, and know when it's time to start to genuinely heal and kind of tuck it away. Hmm. Okay. How, now, uh, with with you know without uh, explain this to the level that you're comfortable explaining it mm-hmm. to. But how? What experience have you had where you you learned that from or got to apply that to? Sure. So um, I guess like my first real relationship when I was in early college, um, I was super infatuated, like super lusty. And, you know, it's like the first loves the sweetest, the first cuts the deepest mm-hmm. that I, I had that experience. But I let the grief and it was it was traumatic in the moment, but I let that, I didn't allow that grief to ever be tucked away or not ever, but I let it out of the box for way too long to where it almost became like obsessive to just be upset about it. Mm. And then it heartbroken dude, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I, I, then you start to make excuses for why you can't do this or, you know, you just start, you feel bad about yourself and you like, yes, it sucked. You go through it, but at some point you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and start to say, okay, well that's now gone. How do I move forward in a productive way? And I, it took me way too long to get to that point. And I, I, and it's not like so much time, years, but it was you know probably six months to almost a year where I was, I would say I quote unquote wasted emotionally because I was hung up on something that I should have dealt with, put it in its box and moved forward with. Okay, so what what did heartbreak look like for you? Um, I guess like he didn't shave his chest hair. He just yeah, let it go <laughs> yeah, just let it grow. <laughs> <laughs> his chest hair was wearing a robe. Yes, <laughs> I just his chest hair. That's when it started to really grow in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess just like traditional signs of depression, like you know, you're you have a dim view, you stop going to the gym, you know, you're, you picked you, up weight. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Were you were you eating unhealthy and and like what type of comfort foods were you turning to? Uh, pizza and beer. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was like that, I'm still a guy. Yeah, it was like that perfect time in college where like you had so much access to pizza alcohol. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. That, that was just an easy outlet. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Okay. Did you did you listen to a particular? Were you like a, a sad music guy? Were you a? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> is there is there is it just a genre or was there a song that you were? This is. Definitely. So, so 
actually no so back so in that situation it was just drake on repeat like marvin's room <laughs> marvin's room is probably the song okay yeah <laughs> drake. just on repeat <laughs> that's uh wow that's that's wild because i mean because drake he he is a little bit of an r&b rapper yeah well especially where he started yeah 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 it's, it's wild to think that that was an outlet like a musical outlet to deal with heartbreak yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah you're like you're like a you seem i hope this um you know i hope this insult of, doesn't yeah. seem like <laughs> no like you're very you seem like a very calculated person yeah and so typically. like when you say put it like put grief in a box and stuff like i don't 100 percent relate to the mm-hmm. way that you approach like emotions and stuff that way um but like does that work for you in all aspects like of like like other griefs even if it was like like if they're smaller or different ones like you always you you feel things and then you're like nope it's time we're over this and i'm moving on now yeah and and i think like like anything and then as much as i am calculated that's that is who i am that is how i operate i do understand that that's not how everyone operates so Mm -hmm. i i like to use analogies that the way i experience the world because that's the only lens that i can see it through um but you know to apply it to more of a hypothetical situation, of course there's situations in life that warrant more grief than others when you experience them. There's not a definitive timeline of like when you have to just tuck the box away and then say, I'm not grieving anymore. But I think it's more of a self-awareness of it's time for me to start to heal. Mm-hmm. And that once you realize, it, it's, it's it's like anything else in life. Like when you, when it's like when you're a little overweight, you look in the mirror and you're like, I got to hit the fucking gym. Like I'm just not. It's like when you have that moment, that's the time to put it in the box. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that it goes away completely from that day on, but you know that you have to put it away in order to move to where you want to be. It's okay to be in a, in a state of grief because of something happening. And it's a matter of when you realize that the grief is now hindering your your production in life, uh, where you want to see that change. Yeah, so you can't use it as an excuse anymore. Like exactly. Not falling back on this crutch. Yeah, and and like I said, they're, they're, if you're still in the situation where it's like, no, I want to be grieving because I I'm still feeling this. That's okay. But it's when it's like, oh well, I'm I'm upset that my friend started not invite me out. So well, yeah, because you're because you're up, you're always upset, and that's okay. But if if you're more now worried about getting back on track in life and and getting normalized, then you need to. That's that's the tell that you have to say to yourself okay now it's time to put it away it's funny because at first when you were saying that it made me feel like maybe you're a little bit more like like straight like i, I don't know cold about mm-hmm. emotions but like on the other hand i think maybe it's not true like maybe you feel the grief like you're feeling your emotions even more and so at some point you've got to be like no i've got to move on with life and so like it's not as does that make sense yeah he's going drake yeah <laughs> he's like letting a wash all over yeah him. yeah like i think he's, you're he's like getting it all out yeah. yeah he started from the bottom now he's here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you ever you know with, with using the the, the box analogy mm-hmm. like do you ever like go pull out a box and like revisit any griefs oh absolutely yeah i, I think i mean and, and it's more serendipitous like if i'm experiencing something in life that i know can relate back to a specific grief it's easier to open up that file and and again use it as like a learning thing like okay like remember how it was back then if, if i was to go through another breakup i could always go back to the last breakup grief box pull it out realize okay this is what i did right this is what i did wrong now i'm going to apply that knowledge to this situation and kind of you know move accordingly so i think it, it for me i like to use those you know, take out the box, almost like looking at a photo album. Like you want to remember the times, but you don't necessarily want to like dive back into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. That's a chakra pop. That yes. is a heart chakra pop. Yes. And well explained. 
Thank mm. you for that. Yes. Despite course. my wife being so rude to you. <laughs> you heartless Steve, if you animal. go on a trip, do you have to have like, do you have an itinerary? So you know what's funny? No. No. Like with okay. like, I'm very calculated in all aspects of my life besides fun. With Your fun, when, vacation, it's calculated though. It's like we have nothing. Okay. Like yeah, like like let's just go. Okay. Let's yeah. just go. I hate when I go on vacation and things are planned out to the tits. Like okay. just let it happen. Like this is the one time for me not to be calculated. Let me just experience. This. Yeah. He can let his chest hair down. Yes. <laughs> that's when I don't trim. That, yeah. That's just like full. It's party time. Yes. It's margarita time. Let's yeah. go. Party in the front and back. Yeah. <laughs> Put a ponytail yeah. on the back here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Nice. Ace, take it away. All right. Uh, we are to the throat chakra. So, Steve, what's a favorite lie that you have told or extra karmic points if it's still in rotation? So, this was a difficult one for me because I I really don't lie. Like, genuinely, like, I, I that's, it's like Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life. Uh, you know, always tell, or never tell a lie, or, or always tell the truth, but at least don't lie. So, I would say that where my lies come in are more just avoiding a question, and the situation came up, and, and I'm just using this as an analogy because I actually didn't think it was this bad. But remember, Sydney, when you came into jiu-jitsu the one time, and you're like, oh, like I was messing with my hair, and I totally fucked it up, and look how crooked it is. You like screwed up your hairline or something. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I okay, remember. So, my, my, my penis head? Yes. <laughs> my, so. When I made my head. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> Steve. So, well, full full disclaimer. I genuinely did not think it was that bad. Like okay. it, it didn't it didn't register me. But if it really was that bad in that situation, if you would come to me and be like, "Man, like, isn't this terrible? Doesn't look horrible?" I'd be like, "This is it. it you know what's it, it's the perfect haircut for your stand up. This is going to be so good for you." Because so I would like dance around a question. Like that's that's how I lie in life. Like I don't yeah. I don't lie, but I'm not going. I'll dance around and tell you a different truth if that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. So you also open up other people's grief boxes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> you weren't aware how many shockers are going to get popped yeah. today. You got, a, you got a Drake song you recommend for yeah. that? <laughs> Marvin's room. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you. So again, you 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 avoid uh, being direct about things that might hurt other people's feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Or if I just don't feel like answering the question, like if it's not something I really want to get into, I'll just, I'll dance a little bit. Yeah. But, I, but I do try to honestly never lie. That it's, it's a it's hard like, I don't want to be associated with your hair, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's your business. I want none of that. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. That's, um, we brought up Sydney's yeah. penis head. <laughs> my, my penis head. <laughs> my penis, penis. Yeah, yeah. That was that was quite a time. Yeah. Quite a time to be alive. <laughs> See how I just danced around instead of having to lie in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I just <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Did you are you do you have any follow ups for this? No. <laughs> yeah. Well can, can you can you rem- um do you, other than my penis head, do you have uh any uh examples that come to your mind? that you've used that technique um yeah i mean i i guess there could be a circumstance just say like you know it's another hypothetical yeah yeah just, i'm not, <laughs> not saying this is real, real saying another hypothetical real, real situation um <laughs> that wasn't hypothetical that was a real situation by the way <laughs> and i'm just this is, this is just a hypothetical situation remember you had that terrible haircut <laughs> All right, what's this other hypothetical situation? Um, <laughs> so, like, I, I guess if, if someone's been really working out, 
good and then they they have been re- they're really excited about the fact they've been working out a lot mm-hmm. but I'm not seeing that much of a change <laughs> instead of being like yeah no you look exactly the same it'd be like yeah I know you've been killing it I've seen your workouts keep up the good work okay you know what I mean so so I'm not gonna if I don't know because I don't want to lie and be like yeah no you look exactly the same because like that's terrible <laughs> yeah somebody in Steve's life is listening to this on their iPhone their, like, their headphone right now in the gym like that's me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He said to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. That's a chakra pop. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Sure. <laughs> now we know. Next yeah. time we're talking to Steve. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, if you hear me not answer your question directly, you know I'm lying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Point taken. Yes. Yeah. Chakra pop. <laughs> that is a throat chakra pop wide open. Yes. <laughs> Ace, take it away. All right. We are to the third eye chakra. So out of the physical into the metaphysical. So Steve, what are two things that you used to think were separate, but as you've gotten older, you've learned that it's really the same? So personally, I feel as though being a quote unquote realist and being negative, I thought were different, but I think now they are almost exactly the same thing. Mm. It's like putting lipstick on a pig. Mm-hmm. And I think you could be realistic without being negative, but like it teeters more that way than not. So, so uh, what, what do you mean by that? So, for in, so, so, okay, here's an example somewhat recently that I've feel like I've, I've developed personally with. I've always had a really hard time imagining the future in a creative, positive way because my dad raised me to be very pragmatic and very realistic. So everything was like by the book, you do this, you get here, da 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 well, in you know the business world, entrepreneurially speaking, it's hard to ever think like that because you have to be able to think creatively because there is no you know proven path. You are pioneering, so to have a lack of ability to think about the future and get stuck in the realism because like yeah, if you if you're trying to build a business that doesn't exist, the realistic thing is it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. But you can't think realistically if you want to achieve something like that. You have to be able to think positively. So the realism and the negativity are more closely related than not. Because me going into it saying, like if I started my business and said day one, it's going to fail, that's me being negative. Mm. Me going in day one and say, you know, it's probably not going to work because that's what's, you know, statistically speaking, like that's what's going to happen. That's the same thing as being negative. You're just yeah. paint, you're painting in a different light. So I think that realism and negativity are more closely related. I, I used to think they were opposite. I used to think there was optimist, there was pessimist, and there was realist. And now I think it's more just optimism and pessimism are more polarized and, and the realism falls on that side of the spectrum. Okay, so how is that applied in life? It, so, because the the angle that you're coming at it from mm-hmm. is that realism and being negative are more closely linked than you thought before. Sure. So, does that mean now you are just accepting the negative aspect of realism, or that you're just not being realistic anymore? Like, are you deferring to a more positive way yeah. to look at things? Yeah, I think it's more the latter. Like you, so I'll, I'll give an example. So, me and my business partner Dylan. Mm-hmm. Dylan has always been the optimist. I've always been the realist. We have had a been we've had a great balance together because he goes lives in optimism land. I think he's a fucking nut and then he comes back with this strategy. I'm like, "Oh, well, I'll just do it. You know, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't." And then he had pulled me along a lot of the way and I realized that because he was the optimistic side of that. If it would have just been me, we would have never gotten to where we were mm-hmm. today. But now 
I'm less dependent on him because now I am able to pocket away the realism because I can say, well, what if this was the case? What if we were to do this? What if this was, you know, this fell into place and allow it has opened up me personally to grow and, de- and I've become, I feel like I've become in a professional sense, much more successful over the past six months than I had the past six years on the one thing changing of instead of focusing on what's realistic, trying to think about a more optimistic view of the future. Okay. I keep trying to imagine what your dad would say if you came home with like a vision board and you're like, Dad, here's my vision board about my future. <laughs> Just knock it off the table. Like, you know, yeah. But no, but it, it's, it's he's a, a good dad. He, no, he's a, he was a Get great that dad. Vision board yeah, out of yes, my house yes, yes, now. Yes. But yeah, no. I mean, he was just chip, you know, just traditional. Um, you know, go to school, go to med school, get a good job. Like, like, and then there's nothing wrong with that. What did he do for a living? So he was always in construction. But he yeah. had, because I have an older half sister, he had her at 18. Uh-huh. So his whole life, and I, and it's something that I never really valued when I was a kid, because it doesn't hit as hard. And now being 31 and thinking, holy shit, if I would have had an 11 year old, or you know, it, my life would be completely different. I would have a completely different view, a way more realistic, protective view. And that's the yeah. way he was. So I understand him so much more now as an adult than I did when I was a kid. So yeah. the last time he revisited that was at 29. By yes. <laughs> Put that box away for another yes. years. <laughs> yeah, that's why. So because I, 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 first of all, I completely understand what you're, what you're saying. And I, I, because I, I think, uh, I think Ansley and I are both very positive for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, pretty optimistic. But I think, in a lot of ways, I would be considered more of the realist. Mm-hmm. Only, be, only it, with the definition that you gave, because I do take into consideration the negative aspects of a thing. But I don't really feel like the negative aspects can beat me. If that makes any sense. So yeah, you know, Ansley a lot of times would like to not even address the negative potential for things, but. For me, it's like no. Let's let's address them. Let's let's rack up these wins against them. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I don't, I don't even know uh, the point that I'm trying to make by saying that, but I'm just putting it out there. No, and I get your point, and, and I'm I to that point. I am still like that. I still, yeah. I, I, but I think that it's a it's a two stage process. Instead of thinking about what the potential losses are first. You have to think the potential win first. So now my process is more, okay, what if this was to happen and now let's see the potential of how much it can grow? Then we'll do the risk evaluation. Then we'll talk about more the realistic, all right, how do we make this happen? For me, it was flip-flop. For me, it was let's figure out all the ways this won't work first mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. before I can even think about if it was to work. So if you do, if you go about that creative strategy, you've put so many roadblocks in your way, it's hard to even think about it working because you've already put 15 negatives out to, to start with. So to flip that process around and say, let me be creative and positive first, build out what that potential ideal world looks like, and then say, okay, well, now what's the bullshit that we're going to have to overcome to get there? It's a whole different way of looking at it, and that's where I, I think about the... Negative versus realism. Steve was the kid in high school that was ruining uh, the, hey, let's take a road trip conversation. Yeah, he was. <laughs> we don't even have gas money, guys. Like, what, what are we going to... Literally, no. Yeah. That, that, but... You have asthma. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I get just, that. Yeah. Right. Just, no. just, just, just to, to make this even funnier. So I was the kid literally in college when we were in our freshman dorms. Um, a couple of my roommates wanted to smoke weed. And I was so paranoid that I convinced them that 
they put THC detectors in the shower stalls so they could detect when kids were smoking inside the shower. Like, that was where my head went. Yeah, I would have been like, are you on weed? <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Thanks for that. But, but that, that's just, like, where my head went. Like, that's, yeah. that's just where it would go. It's like, what, every, what's every potential way I could get screwed here? And I'm going to, you know, think about that first. Yeah, Man. that's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty wild. Yeah. All right. Well, that is a chakra pop. That is yeah. a third eye chakra pop. <laughs> Let's go. Ace, take it away. All right. We're to the crown chakra. We did it again. Woo. All right. So, Steve, tell us about one thing you can't give up and why, and what would giving it up mean? So, I don't think I'll ever be able to give up in life the pursuit of becoming the best version of myself at something, whether it be professionally, in a sport, um, learning, whatever the case may be the drive to always become better, I don't think I'll ever be able to give up. And giving that up, I feel like that would, I would equate that to settling or being lazy to a degree. Mm -hmm. Um, Because once you, in my opinion, or just looking inward at myself, if I was to stop that, then like when, where's your drive to do things sort of go? You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. then it it changes over time. If I was to have kids, it could, the drive could be to become the best parent or to see that make, help them become the best version of yourself. But the, the push to be the best thing I can be is something I don't think I could ever give up. Yeah. That gives you like purpose in life. Exactly. Why, what are we doing otherwise? Like what is all this hard stuff for? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what are your hobbies? Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying it's not anymore, but jujitsu was a huge one. I've now translated that, uh, energy in a, in a physical sense into golf. Okay. So now I become utterly obsessed with that. Um, obviously, business-wise, professionally, becoming the best version, not necessarily just making the most money, but making my career feel wholesome for myself while also making a lot of money. And then you know what that investment portfolio then will grow into over time and the strategy to get there in that capacity. Um, you know, in a relationship. It's a hobby. Yeah. Well, no, but, but it, it is. It's yeah. not, for me, it's not work. I, I, yeah. I know it's cliche, but I genuinely do love it. Um, yeah. Uh, other hobbies. Um, I like to be educated. Like I like to learn about things, whether it be like a, a news of the day or history event or something. Like if I get interested in something, I like to learn about it. So that's another hobby that I would say I have. Okay. So what's your current educational interest? Um, so I'm really trying to understand the political climate and it's, it's a tough one to take on because like it gets you so energized, but I'm really trying to understand not just like the political climate, but like deeper than that, like how fucked is the system? Mm -hmm. But like, like it's not just a red and blue thing. It's just like the whole system is all messed up and like, how deep does this go? So how far back are you going historically to understand where we are now? Well, it, it's, I guess, I, I, I guess it's almost more so a anthropological type of study because it's almost like the government's so screwed up, but then like people kind of just blindly flow with it, mm-hmm. and like that's that, that's what's really like captivating me is like understanding like how this could happen because of course like America land of the free, you know land of opportunity and then like covid put a huge wrench in the gears with like wait a second what are they saying that we have to do and and how are people just listening so like i've just been trying to learn about you know i guess you like i'm into conspiracies like i i I don't know it it interests me um not for the sake that they're conspiracies but it's like i don't know what if that was the case like Mm -hmm. you know whether it be 9-11 or you know epstein's island whatever the case may be like definitely into conspiracies oh yeah no no i i'm a i'm I'm a i'm a a tinfoil hattie yeah um but i like to think it's like an educated tinfoil hattie i don't just like 
I don't know. We all do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all like to think that. But I, 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 it's, it's more just like understanding how things got to where they are. Okay. There's a, there's a really fun book. It's a really easy book. I mean, you may have already uh, read it or listened to it. It's called Fantasyland. Mm-mm. I, I'll put you on to this. Okay. It's, it's basically everything that you're talking about, but he, he talks about it through a his, historical context to explain wh- how people can, be, can get to certain states based off of uh, political, uh, current political climates. Interesting. It's a, really, it's a really fun book. Yeah. But other than that, we did it. Yes. That's a chakra pop. That is a crown <laughs> chakra popped. Mm-hmm. Steve, how do you feel? I feel good. It's almost like a therapy session, to be honest. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do, do you feel like you have reached enlightenment? I think that I'm on the path to enlightenment. He lied to us. That is actually yeah. a fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And also, I have to say this. Uh, now you guys can check out our Patreon. Our Patreon, $1 gets you all of our exclusive content. By all means, you can pay whatever you want. But $1 is the minimum. It's, it's, it's the minimum. Yes. It's, it's the, it's the, it's, that's all you need. That's it. You don't only get uh, the counter to this podcast. Hold on, I mumbled that a little bit. You don't only get the counter to this podcast, which we call Shaco Poppers After Dark, but we also do some fight commentary and analysis on Ansley's jiu-jitsu matches. Come check that out. And also, Steve, you have a podcast. What's it called? Uh, Perfect Match uh, franchise podcast. Yeah, for all of you people with the entrepreneurial mindset, I mumbled that as well. But it's, <laughs> I'm just, it's just I'm not going to say it better. No, you say it. For all you people with an entrepreneurial mindset, <laughs> how about you say it? <laughs> for all the people with an entrepreneurial mindset, that's there how you say go. that word. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you almost have to be one. Yeah, yes. yeah that's the problem. It, it takes one to say one. Yeah, you, you just have to see the word for long enough and over. You know. Yeah, yeah. So check that out if you have any interest in that word. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we're gonna. And do you have anything else you wanted to let the people know about? No, I mean, I just like thank you guys for being on. This was this was great. Yeah. So hop on over to the Patreon, and we're gonna pop open Steve's dark chakras. One dollar, all of our content. If not. Thank you guys for listening. We love you and we are out. See ya.